Show presents Scratch It Trailer. The podcast where we debate which track to scratch off some of the most known and unknown albums of all time. We live in an era of singles. This is an album. People no longer listen to an album for the work it truly is. It kind of defines a band. It's just not something that people relate to nowadays. We've all gotten the dreaded. Started out as a game. Which track on the album would you scratch out if you had to? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a uh, first exciting episode of Scratch a Track. Today, we're going to be discussing the uh, the Beatles' Abbey Road album. And uh, in case you're not familiar with this show, because it is the first episode, we encourage you to go back to actually our first podcast, where we kind of lay out the groundwork of what this show is, what it's about, and uh, we think the the debate and and conversations that that might come from it um, will will give you a good roadmap into really what we're trying to explore here. Um, but really quick, what we're trying to do is we're taking an album, a classic album, and we're just kind of picking out a song that we think, um, not that it's not our favorite song on the album, but if you had to do without it or you had to scratch it off, yep. if you had that CD. If or you had it on record, vinyl and one of them was going to skip, what, what's the one? Yes, what's the one? So this is the game. Let's play. <laughs> um, so first off, Grim, uh, you know, we, we kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the, the background of the album and and everything and so what what's one of the first things that just stands out to you about about the album itself well I think what stands out is that it's probably universally regarded as the Beatles best record um, it probably sure. has the most production value uh, it was released in September of 69. And okay. interestingly enough, as I was reading, I saw that the initial reception of the album was not quite as favorable as we view it today in retrospect, because almost any music source you would look at would rate it as one of the best albums ever and certainly the best Beatles right. album. However, it seemed to get mixed yeah. reception at the time. Uh, notably, people I, I, I read some comments where people said that they wouldn't be able to play a lot of it live, which was ironic to me because they stopped playing live around yeah. the time of Revolver in 1966. So I don't really know why yeah. that was even a point of discussion. Yeah, I mean, that was the the whole point of Sgt. Pepper that, you know, if you've seen the Beatles anthology they talk about, Paul McCartney's like, yeah, we don't want to tour anymore. We're just going to send this album out on tour. Yeah. Right? Which, I mean, that's, you know, that's yeah. So, okay, you can't play it live. Well, yeah, nobody, I mean, who plays, you know, they were just past that point in their careers. Yeah, and, and this was the last yeah. album that they recorded together. Um, and, of course, right. George Martin did it. And uh, it was not released last, uh, kind of posthumously. After the Beatles had broke up, they released right. Let It Be. But this was the one that was recorded last. And in quotes, I believe they said, the way we used to to do it yeah that's how they that's how they uh i think sucked uh george martin back in because i think that point george martin was just kind of done He's yeah like, you know what it's been it's been fun but i can't put up with you guys and your egos anymore yep um and they all i mean it, you can't blame them they all like i mean from a very early time and everything that they went to uh just they wanted to do their own thing and 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 i think that's one thing we'll get into it a little more about this album but 
you know, they talk about the, you know, side one being basically John's album and then side two being, being Paul's album. Um, that makes sense. And, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I think it's interesting. So you, you know, you're kind of talking about the, the posthumous, uh, aspect of it. And I, I think that kind of leads me into talking about the, uh, the cover of the album. Um, yeah. cause there's, there's so much kind of, you know, conspiracy theory, controversy and, and, and everything. And, um, I'm not sure how much, how much you've read about it, but it's, first of all, this, the album cover in general is, I mean, it's, it's probably one of the most recognized album covers other than dark side and, uh, and even Sergeant Pepper. But I mean, this album cover, I mean, people have emulated this oh, and yeah. copied it in, in, in many joking ways. Yeah. It's um, iconic. And, and, and it's an interesting thing that, they do not have the name of the album or the name of the band on the cover. And right. I believe that yeah. was done deliberately because the the yeah. kind of sentiment at the time was, well, do you really need to put the name of the band on it? They're, they are the biggest yeah. band uh, in the world. Yeah, we're the Beatles. If you know, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, if you don't know us, you're not invited. Yeah, right? <laughs> by this point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on. Um yeah, and, and so that's what's interesting about the cover. And I know there's conspiracies and things that, that I read and how, you know, you have John first and he's wearing all white and he's supposed to be sort of like the religious figure. And yep. then jo- uh, then Ringo is number two and he's supposed to be the uh, kind of the undertaker. And Paul was the was the dead man, because if you actually look at it, I believe he's he's the he's walking out of sync with all the other members. Yeah, Everyone it's, else has it's their his left, their left foot. foot first. And he's Barefoot, also holding he's a, cigarette a cigarette in his right yeah. hand, uh, him being left-handed. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and then of course, um, you know, uh, George Harrison just, you know, going straight all denim. That, that's a bold. That's yeah. a bold move. I guess. I mean, if you're George Harrison, you could do that. Uh, you know, it was but like I, the Canadian I, you know, tuxedo I certainly can't before the Canadian tuxedo was a thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, but when you're George Martin or George Harrison, yeah, you can, you can, uh, you can get away with that. Um, so, yeah. So, anyways, uh, I think that that pretty much covers the cover. But it is. I, I mean, I have. I, I got a in college. I got a a huge blanket and it's it's that cover because it's just so Mm -hmm. it's just it's just so so amazing it's 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 pretty it's pretty cool and i you know Um, i grew up on the beatles and always recognized this cover and knew a lot of songs off it but i don't think it was till probably late in high school that i really began to listen to this album uh, as a whole, as, as a whole uh, because I think maybe that's the age where I started to really understand what an album was and what an album meant. And this was obviously sure. one of the early ones that was huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the thing with the Beatles is they're, you know, probably the first band to, you know, come up with, I guess, what you could say somewhat of a concept album. Um, where it did kind of have that the songs flow into each other um and it, and although when John Lennon was asked about it with Sergeant Pepper he kind of said you know there's no this Mr. Kite has nothing to do with you know the the um the Sergeant Pepper guy and all this stuff and everything but and, it's more than that it's you know, the sound it's the feel yeah. it's the transitions whether the characters it of the is. songs have to necessarily do with one another right. it's it's a listening experience you know, yeah, it's like exactly like you look at a painting, you're not just looking at like the lower right corner. You know, it all yeah. goes together. 
Sure, sure. Everything everything kind of fits. And and also, when you talk about concept albums, it's just kind of a fun thing to talk about because, like, well, what is the concept? What's the idea? What are they trying to say here? Are there hidden meanings and stuff like that? I mean, you can, yeah. you know, obviously, you know, we could talk about that for, for, for days. Um, but so I think you were, you were kind of headed down that path of, you know, when you kind of started listening to it as an album, because because what I remember is, um, at least for me, with most of my music and bands, I, I you know. I'll start off more with the greatest hits than getting the album. And then, you know, I'll, I'll pick a few songs and I'm like, oh, okay, well, I really, you know, uh, yeah. those are three of my favorite songs on the greatest hits album. I bet that whole album is is really good. Yeah, I think that's um, fair. I, I would do that for a lot of bands. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember, I believe you had the anthology the Beatles, probably they did have like yeah it was anthology or there was like a greatest hits of remember there was like the blue cds and the red cds oh they yeah like 67 yeah, to 70 and i'm trying to think I, I i don't have it in front of me but i think i i imagine um something and come together which are the two singles on the album i imagine those were probably on it maybe they would have thrown in octopus's garden too or here comes the sun maybe yeah um, i would think here that, comes the on sun. that uh and so I, I think initially that's how I kind of heard those songs. And then I, I remember in college, well, for everyone listening who doesn't know, Matt and I were roommates in college. And, um, and you were always a little more, you, you were always farther ahead musically than I was. So I was always kind of like, you'd be listening to something and then, and then I'd you know, catch on to it and be like, oh, that's badass. Okay, yeah, okay, I like that. And, and you know, we'd be driving around doing our thing and you know, we'd put the CD, what do you want to listen to? What album are we going to listen yeah, to? Yeah, there you and, go. And I imagine Abbey Road was probably one of the first ones that we, we really kind of got into. Um, and and is, that, is it college for you when you really kind of started getting into it? Because I remember you really got into the White Album our senior year of high school because you gave everybody for Christmas. Like, oh, yeah. This, this is Burn this, CD. You gave everybody a copy of the White Album. And this was when burning CDs was like a new thing. Yeah. And you like printed out the artwork and everything. Dude, that was so cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I will fully admit, I was not as appreciative of it at the time. I was like, okay, cool. I got this White Album. Dude, it's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> It, it well, is, it, it was is. it was one of those ones. My dad always just had the vinyl around, and I would I would play it. Now it's funny because bring going back to Abbey Road as I'm holding up the vinyl, um, you know, I accumulated my father and my uh, uncle's vinyl collections, and of course got many of my own. But one of the things is that my dad had a handful of Beatle records that were never open. Now, uh, these were never going to be worth dude, money because they weren't the first edition or the first pressing or anything the like that. Original but press, yeah. He just, yeah. you know, he also, we also had a reel to reel tape machine and all these albums were on the reel to reels. So for some reason, he did not want those opened. Um, right. So he had the albums on reel to reel? Oh, yeah. He had reel to reels of the Beatles and Elton John. I mean, they just go for hours. Dude, no way. That's sweet. Man. Yeah. So. I never really opened the the white album was one of the Beatles albums that was available to me because it was open. But Abbey Road, that's why I think it took a little later for me to get in and once uh, get into. And once I was listening to the anthology CDs and you start to hear yeah. these tracks, it becomes right. evident that you're going to need to listen to the remainder of, of of this whole work. Right, right. Yeah, there's just just more there more there to explore for sure. Um, 
Yeah, well, I think I think this is a good time to kind of get into the album and let's 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 pick out our our scratch tracks. I think you know we'll uh, we'll talk about the uh, you know the album as a whole and again, like I think we said earlier, it's it's probably widely considered to be one of their best you know their best album. And even though it was the last to be recorded, it wasn't the last to uh, to be released. That, that's I got that order right, right? Yeah, no, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they recorded "Let It Be," kind of put that away, and then that was mixed and released later. So, yep. um, so yeah, I mean, you know, this is full of. I think, like I said earlier, uh, the two main singles off the album were were "Come Together" and "Something," and those are probably the songs. At least "Come Together" is probably most recognizable. To the, yeah, yeah, for people who listen to classic radio, it's it's. Um, it's uh, it's the one that you're going to hear every day. Well, and even if you don't hear theirs, Aerosmith has a fairly famous cover of the song. I mean, it's 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 out there. It's been out there. It's yeah. It's instantly recognizable with the the way the bass and the percussion come in. Um, yeah, and it's yeah. it's just got a nice groove to it, and it does also feature Billy Preston playing in a very uh, old yeah, Rhodes Billy. piano, I believe, on that. Okay. Okay, good, good. Billy. Who I would argue, Billy. I mean, because George Martin is is part of the group as the producer, but I think if you got to yeah. say there's a fifth Beatle, I mean, come on, man. Some Billy. of Billy Preston's keyboard work is just unreal. It's phenomenal. Yeah, it is. It is really, really good. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. Just looking at the track listing here, um, and I think like I mentioned earlier, it the, they kind of did the order in the album to kind of appease both Paul and John where where John kind of has the first six tracks and not to say that they're all his songs but he was more into the individual like here's a here's a song here's a song where Paul really liked his stuff to kind of flow together and you'll see um at the the midway point in the album so uh you know if you had the vinyl that actually ended with uh the I want you she's so heavy song and uh, the second side of the album starts with here comes the sun. And then I think, and then there's because, and then once you get into, you never gave me your money. Oh, even all flows from there on. Doesn't it yeah. do, they, do the other? Yeah, that's yeah. correct. I, I, I yeah. would, I would okay. say that's fair. The first side of it is more or less a kind of a collection of singles, uh, it's, yeah. so to speak. But yeah, after you never give me your money, I mean, that's, um, it doesn't stop. And I think that's what yeah. grabbed me so much listening to it is that unless you were, of course, in this time being CDs, unless you were looking at the track number it was on, you didn't know when one started and the other ended until you really under, knew the album. You know, at, right. at first right. couple yeah. listens, you didn't know what was what and it just, everything no. kind of went. And I think that, to me, like set the groundwork for. Uh, I mean, Sergeant Pepper's is certainly an album, so to speak. But I, I just those transitions were yeah. like nothing I had ever heard. Yeah, well, it, it is interesting because you and I, that was my experience as well. Listening to it, you, you just it's almost like you don't even need individual tracks because they just all go together. But um, it was hard to know almost like where those cuts were because even if you take a song like "You Never Gave Me Your Money." There's that song transitions a couple of times all in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so the only so I think, 
If you got to talk about endings, I mean, I, I've never heard a better ending for a side or a, a anything <laughs> yeah. than the end of I Want You, She's So Heavy. And it's yeah, like it's, you still find yourself guessing so, where exactly yeah, it's going it to cut. Here it is. Yeah, yeah. Every time I listen to it, I'm yeah, I'm trying to find that spot. Well, and it was interesting because I read that John Lennon specifically wanted it to end. He said, I think, at seven minutes and 44 seconds is where he wanted it to end. So, and they said if he, if it would have record, if it would have went for another 20 seconds, that's actually when the tape would have run out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But it's weird because I'm looking at just the iTunes, you know, time and it says seven minutes and 47 seconds. So, I mean, who, who knows, but this is also, I don't know if this, this is the remastered version or whatever, you know, who knows, you know, what they're doing with these CDs and remastered versions these days. The only Um, thing that I, that I, the tape running out would have been cool for sure. But the only reason that I think um, he may have wanted to do that from the, not that I have a huge experience with using magnetic tape, but the sound is different when a tape runs out than the way they just make that, just that that clean cut. I mean, it is gone. Like a meat cleaver, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's just gone. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, the, I remember the first time hearing it. It's kind of it's startling. Mm-hmm. You're like, what? What just? It, it, like you almost don't know. You're like, what just happened? Like, yeah, oh, it's, it's and it's little, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, the organ just gets really intense, oh, and that dude. that guitar the sound white noise. Is, is like nothing I've ever heard. Yeah, the white noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, such an in, intense song. I, I will say, and this when I read this, it kind of. It's probably my favorite Beatles song. Yeah. Oh, uh, easily. Almost, almost almost turned me off a little bit. And this shouldn't be surprising, but this is John's song. I mean, he wrote it for Yoko. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know, it's weird. Until I read that, though, and I've heard this song a million times, like I never put that together. I have no idea why. But Well, yeah, it makes so. sense. But it, the yeah. thing I like, too, is that they could have probably done retakes of his vocals where they were like perfect, but like he, they let his voice break apart Crunch. and like yeah. the, the emotion to me that that adds to that song is unreal. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, um, you know, there's, so the majority of the songs are Paul or John's, um, you know, I think it, in this album, it looks like from what I see, George Harrison, he got his, his two song allotment of, something and here comes the sun those are those are his contributions to the album and then with octopus's garden i think they just let ringo sing that to throw him a bone right or uh, yeah, I, yeah. That, other than that i don't know if yeah does he sing on anything else or does george i guess sing? he I mean, wrote other that than har- song, harmonies they say that he, he wrote that song too which okay okay right. but but yeah. yeah i think uh mostly yeah the the band probably sings a lot of harmonies and speaking of harmonies um because is really worth noting because the vocals are so thick and so lush and i was reading about what they used and apparently it was a a series of eight track tape recording machines and then they must have combined all these and in like a which, geez, I, I can't even just imagine think. that. But I mean, they probably had a full machine of just the the layers of vocals for because because it it is. I've yeah. never heard vocals quite so awesome. Yeah, no, it's 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 pretty pretty badass for sure. Pretty badass. 
So I, I think that might lead us to uh, to game time here, buddy. Um, you know, I, I have the track list in front of me, and I've been thinking about this for a while. If I had to 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 scratch a song, and, and I think we should both agree right off the bat, because if I was just taking the low hanging fruit, it would for me it would just be like Her Majesty. It's twenty three minutes. It's at the end. It's a fun little thing at the well, end. But personally. I, I, that's just me, but not you know, you. I don't, I don't think that that necessarily has to be thought of as low hanging fruit. Okay. If that's the one for you, that's the one. Yeah, I, I know, but I feel like that's almost cheating because it's just this little, this little ramble. And and I believe um, that that was actually a hidden track, and on the original album, it wasn't even listed. I'm looking at the vinyl um, right now, and that is correct. That is correct. So um, on iTunes and I, I believe I, maybe even on the CDs, I don't have the, the actual CD list in front of me. Um, it, it is listed as as a, tr- a track yep. there. Yep, I see that um, on yeah digitally. So yeah. So otherwise, people would just almost kind of consider it another part of the end or a, you know mm-hmm. a hidden track. I, so, you know, I do see your point there because there is a very completeness to the song the end and what the vocals are saying i get yeah, that it, there's something yeah. to that yeah yeah there's a part of me that's almost like whoa it is kind of cool okay it goes silent for like i think they said like 14 seconds and then it plays there's a part of me that's like well, i mean it's it's a cool little thing to throw in there and and i like it when artists do that sometimes and then there's another part of me that's like why so i i, I don't know that's fair um, point. <laughs> so i mean if if we were saying if we were saying that her majesty doesn't count or that because it's not listed on the original track listing um mm. you know that that would probably be my song but okay. what what would what, what would your song be what would you um you know if you had to have a yeah you know track what 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 would that be buddy you know i know it's a really happy little fun song but there's nothing about octopus's garden that really grabs me Sure. Um, and it, it's not that it's a Ringo song or anything about that. I just I don't really You're a Ringo understand <laughs> the the lyrically speaking. It doesn't do anything for me, and musically, it's just kind of like too happy. I, yeah, I, it's, I don't it, know. Now let me ask you. So I mean, it's it, it, I I will agree with that. It's it's kind of like a it is a fun upbeat, but it's kind of a silly song, and we're mm-hmm. talking about. In Octopus's Garden, maybe I just haven't fully explored any meaning behind it, or really like tried to uh, understand what the uh, you know, yeah, what the what the meaning is. Uh, but I mean, would you say like a song? I mean, I love Here Comes the Sun, but that's kind of a fun, upbeat song too. Yeah, but there's something about Here Comes the Sun that I think is more relatable to people. I mean, the whole idea, especially living, I mean, you in Colorado and coming from Michigan yeah. and me in Michigan, yeah. everyone can appreciate that that moment when you see the sun again and it feels like spring has really started. Sure. And I've, yeah. I've always kind of related to that with that song. And I, I also like the fact that it's uh, primarily – an acoustic driven song, but he throws sure. in the the thickness of like the the Moog synthesizer in there. Okay, I, I I do appreciate, and they use that in many many of the songs in the album, which I guess they caught a little bit of flack for. But uh, dude, yeah. when something like that comes out as an artist, why yeah. would you not want to use it? 
And, and just in a cool way because it's it's being so technologically advanced at the time kind of goes against a more acoustic song, which is what I like about it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as far as here comes the sun, it's interesting because with, if you have the vinyl, obviously side one ends with, I want you. She's so heavy, which is an intense driven like beat, And it, you know, it basically just kind of explodes and then just cuts at the end and then you flip it over and then you have this, you know, it's like a beautiful spring day outside. I always think of like, I want you, she's so heavy is like the wintertime blizzard that's yeah. coming in and locking you in. And then you flip it over and all of a sudden, hey, it's 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 a beautiful sunny day out again. You know, it, it well, yeah. has that mood and feel to it. And then it's um, interesting because you go into because and that seems like uh, the dark of night dark all again. over again. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, I think, but all right. Well, this is we're maybe getting a little too deep here. What I actually kind of think to, because is is kind of the the um, the moment the sun sets, like mm, right. You mm-hmm. know, it's kind of it's kind of just come down, and it's um, yeah. That's that's kind of what I what I that song feels feels to me. And then you know we can get off all the you know the hippie stuff here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. Get it. To, you know, I'm getting a little deep here, guys. Um, but you know, then all of a sudden, boom! Then you're in a ride for the rest of the album. Yep. And and here's the thing: I don't think I could scratch any song off the rest of the album because if you do, the transitions don't work, and that is part of the whole second half of the album. I like, completely take agree. Out, you can't take out Polythene Pan or she came in through the bathroom no. window. You know, like yeah, they're great it, it songs, and yeah, it just wouldn't it, work. They are. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't work. So. That only kind of leaves you with, sorry, John Lennon. That only leaves you with a handful of songs on what you what people would call his side of the album, and um, I think we've gone over a, a bunch of those. And I think I, I agree. I, th- I think for me, Octopus's Garden would would probably be it as well. If if I didn't choose uh, Her yeah, Majesty, that's fair. Um, so I, well, and if the, you know. there aren't the transitions aren't the same, but just from a pure feeling standpoint, in the inside one, sure. If yeah. it were, oh, darling, is also kind of a more upbeat song. So if that one were mm-hmm. to go right into, I want you, she's so heavy, she's, which it has I, many times when I've listened to it, <laughs> <laughs> right? It, it, right. It, it works just fine. Uh, you put a scratch in there yourself. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Cool. Yeah. I will. I think. Uh, I mean, I think we're both in agreement. I mean, I think mine is a little more. Uh, again, I feel like I take the easy way with Her Majesty. Yours is Octopus's Garden, which. I have a feeling um, a lot of people out there would actually disagree with you there because uh, I think a lot of people, that's probably a song that is almost like if you're looking at the popular songs on the album that of, of a person who hasn't, let's just say, delved deeply into the Beatles catalog and isn't necessarily what you'd call like maybe an album listener. I think that's a song I, a lot of people would actually actually like. Um, I that's can just, see you know, that. Like, you know, that's just my personal opinion, but I think I think some people would be like, "I want you, she's so heavy." That's too scary, like, you know. Like, mm-hmm. so well, I think uh, I think that might wrap up our episode here, buddy. I think uh, I got Her Majesty, you got Octopus's Garden, and you know, I think even if we both scratched those tracks off, we we still probably got a really good album. There, <laughs> yeah, <dude>. yeah, <laughs> it would probably still you know, work like, out all right. I, I'd I'd listen to it. So, oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. 
Well, great. Well, I think this was a, a, a very good first attempt. Hopefully we didn't bore people to death, but uh, hopefully this has given some of you listeners just an idea of what we're trying to do here and uh, what you can expect in, in future episodes and also something that- uh, Maybe give you, you know, something to listen you, to. Exactly. Something to listen to and also something to talk about, something to debate when you're sitting around with your friends, having drinks or you know killing time at work, not working like we all like to do. So, uh, yeah. So until next time, we'll, we'll, we'll have another, I'm sure, great classic album on the way. But uh, if you enjoyed this, you want to hear more, please you know, subscribe to this podcast and, and give us a follow. We, we look forward to, uh, to being around for, for uh, many albums to come. Scratch a Track is produced by the Dude Grim. Additional music provided by Moore, that's dot, 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 M-O-R-E, and the Tims, T-I-M-N-Z. Copyright 2020, The Dude Grim Show.